guys, it's Jason. You know I am the Improve Always and Always guy. Have you ever wanted to live the Improve Always and Always lifestyle day in and day out? Well, guess what? There's an app for that. It's the Vitruvian Lab, and you can go to the Apple Store right now and download it for free. And I got to tell you about my latest course. It's Massively Transformative Habits, MTH. This is a course where I not only give you the science backed research of those universal habits that every single one of us need to adopt for better health, better thinking, better relationships, living longer and living healthier. But also, I give you the behavioral science that will help you understand how to make these behaviors habits. It's one thing to know what you should be doing. It's another thing to know how to start habits. But combining the two, knowing exactly what you should be doing every single day of your life for a more joyful, fulfilling life, a healthier life, and also how to make those habits stick it's all in massively transformative habit here's where you can learn all about it jasonrightnow.com forward slash m t h jasonrightnow.com forward slash m t h go out to the app store download the vitruvian lab for free then go over and check out jasonrightnow.com forward slash m t h There's only going to be 50 slots for this initial cohort. I want you to check it out. If you have any questions, contact me. Find out if this is right for you. I would love to talk to you. That's jasonrightnow.com forward slash MTH. Check out Massively Transformative Habits. Now, enjoy the show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I almost forgot the best part. Because you are a Jason Wright Show listener, you get $100 off the course should you decide to take it. All you have to do is put in promo code podcast at the checkout and you get the course for $100 off. Check it out. Promo code podcast. Go right now. JasonRightNow.com forward slash MTH. I will see you there. All right. Well, I have uh, pushed record my brother now like right now it's just me on camera so let me just do this welcome to the jason wright show i am here with sean medlin found out accidentally east texan so good to have you back in god's country my brother and so i'm gonna put both of us on camera now all right dude welcome and and by the way i gotta put a plug in welcome to the tyler innovation pipeline that's where we are recording today so anyone if you are in tyler the east texas area if you want a world-class center for starting your business, creating, inventing. We're here, but today we're creating a podcast with my boy. We are, man. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. So before you got on, we were talking a little bit about music. And um, all right, so I love riffing on music. I am, it's one of my favorite topics. And so before we even get into the good stuff, before we get to the meat, let's let this be our get to know you chit chat. Love it. Right? Is that good? Yeah, let's do it. So... You said you've been to see my favorite group a lot of times, which is Metallica. I'm a diehard Metallica fan. So tell me, if you can only go to three concerts, you're taking a road trip, three concerts for the rest of your life, who do you go see? Oh, dude, that's tough. Uh, of course it is. I like a lot. I mean, I've got a pretty diverse taste in music, but I would say Metallica would be one. I mean, they're fantastic. Okay. Guns and Roses, when they, in fact, they're oh. actually getting ready to come come back around again. Yes. But um, when they did their reunion thing uh, uh, a few years ago, that was an amazing show. Yeah. 
And dude, I'm this is this is gonna this is they don't align, but uh, I would probably say Justin Timberlake. All right, you got to explain that. And, and which actually, okay, first of all, I can't. I don't hate you. I'm not mad at you for saying that. All right, I'm not mad at you because here's the thing about JT, the 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 Memphis Marvel that he is. The dude is so uber talented. Correct. And I gotta believe, although I've never seen him in concert, I've gotta believe that dude puts on a stupid show. It's it is. Be. And so, uh, of course, I've got young kids at home. Yep. And I a few years ago he came to Houston. And I remember, because I, I like trying to create memories for my kids. Yeah. And so I took uh, I took one of my son, uh, son's Cannon, uh, we took him to see JT. I surprised him. He came home from school. He thought it was just a, another school day. And uh, I said, dude, I got tickets. You know, let's go. And I did the same thing with another son. But yes, JT, like, I mean, the dude is incredibly talented. And so, and, you know, you add some great musicians with this band on top of that. It's a good show. So it doesn't it, it doesn't mesh well with Metallica and Guns N' Roses, but it's a it's a heck of a good show. You're a well-rounded individual. I think so. Right? So here's <laughs> let, let me tell you something. Here's one of my favorite things about JT. So he's funny. Mm-hmm. Whenever he and Jimmy Fallon would get together and cut up on the uh, on Fallon's show. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, come on, Andy Samberg, Justin Timberlake created one of the most iconic holiday songs of all time in my, we'll just say my junk in a box. There you go. <laughs> that, that's, I, you know, I still send that clip to my wife every Christmas. I mean, it's, it always gets a laugh. Exactly. It's like, I mean, it is, um, it is so classic. And so to see how he's also managed his career from boy band to breaking out on his own and just, and he can act. Yeah. It's, it kind of, it kind of pisses me off. He's almost got too much talent for one body. It's insane. It, it's insane. It's insane. He, he seems to be cool. And then like, I, okay, this is the last we'll go on with my, you know, cause you're, you're kind of stirring up a man crush. I didn't even know I had, I don't know if this might turn into a therapy session, but he did a video doing the Carlton on a golf course. Remember that oh, uh, with, yeah. with, I'm drawing a blank on the guy who's, who played Carlton. He, and it's like, See, just the fact that he can just do cool stuff like that at the drop of a hat, that's what makes him. It's pretty, he's an interesting guy. He is an interesting guy indeed. All right, well, I like that, uh, I like that lineup. Yeah, I, you know, I don't like concerts. I don't like being around a lot of people or whatever, but there's few, there's very few that I would go to endure a concert for, you know, to see. Metallica is still one of them. I tell you, the coolest part of that concert, which you came in from the Woodlands, I got that right, didn't I? Okay, so... At the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion, first of all, you're outdoors, which is just fantastic. But here's the coolest thing about that concert. Well, first of all, that's the Black Album, which is probably one of the greatest, you know, right, right. heavy metal albums of all time. And so when they played uh, Inner Sandman, that was just dumb, just ridiculously stupid and awesome in so many ways. But here's what was cool about it, Sean. Here's what I liked about that concert more than anything, is their encore. Okay, so they leave. And they don't do the standard come back and play some deep tracks, you know, fade right. to black or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. They set up an entire new acoustic set oh, wow. at the front of the stage and played. I don't remember even what songs they played. It didn't matter. It was so cool that they had an encore like I'd never seen, which reminds me, and we will move on to some really good, <laughs> meaty, improve always and always type content that we try to produce here at the Jason Wright Show. 
one of, because you, you throwing out, you kind of throwing the, the Justin Timberlake curveball. I got one for you. Bring it. Probably top three concerts of all time. I haven't been to as many as you, haven't been to as many as almost anybody out there listening. One of the best ones ever, Prince. Oh, dude. You're going to get me started on Prince. Dude, that so, was amazing. Go. What's your well, Prince story? Okay, so my, my wife makes fun of me a little bit because I, uh, I was, and I guess I still am, a Prince connoisseur. Yeah, yeah. And so I, um, you know, of course, when Purple Rain came out, I was like in fourth grade. Oh, yeah. And um, shouldn't have even been listening to it, yeah. you know, frankly. And uh, But, dude, just got hooked. And, again, I think the thing about Prince for me, crazy talented, self-taught musician. Yep, yep. Every instrument. Yep. And, um, and dude, just his discipline, his work ethic. I mean, he's just a great and, – and he put out a lot of hits. Well – Dude, I got deep, and I and this was, this was before like Napster and MP3s. I was LimeWire. Did you did you rip stuff off LimeWire? Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. And uh, dude, I started buying bootleg CDs. Oh wow! From like China that had been recorded from the soundboard at all these different concerts. I mean, it was a whole industry. Yeah. And I mean, just some really shady stuff. But dude, I was just trying to get my hands on a lot of Prince stuff. And yep. so I, I had an opportunity to, uh, I've seen Prince uh, three times in concert. Wow. And, um, and dude, it's just, but my wife, who's significantly younger than I am, she doesn't even get it. And uh, I, I re- I'll never forget this. And if she were here, she'd totally be laughing right now. She and I were vacationing in Hawaii. I was scuba diving. And um, I, I remember I had just come up uh, from, from the dive and got on the boat and went over and checked my phone. And um, I got a text from my brother, and it said, Prince, dead, 52. And, or however, what age he was. But, like, it just, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. And, of course, my wife, like, didn't even know that I liked Prince kind of thing, you know. And so, like, I went into this funk. I was, like, I went back to the hotel, and I was, like, crying. And, like, she's, like, what in the world? Like, what's, Prince is dead. Yeah. So, pretty wild story but uh. so you know what though here's the thing okay so i started to question here recently i can't remember what celebrity it was that died and i thought all right why do we get so emotional about celebrities dying and that one's one i can totally relate to because um and i want to get to my print story because it was it was just i only saw him once and it was worth the price of admission and then some. It was 1998. It wasn't quite as cool as being there in 1999, but it was New Year's Eve, 1998. So whenever he was singing Party Like It's 1999 in 1998, knowing I was going to be ringing the New Year at that concert, that was pretty cool. That's wild. So, but I, like you, I watched Purple Rain, love the movie, you know, uh, Morris Day in the time. Mm. Oh, we, oh, we, yo. I mean, Morris Day was the <laughs> yes, nemesis, you know, kind of, kind of giving Prince a little bit of trouble at the club. Yeah. And, uh, I had the cassette and I, it's funny cause I was just talking to my wife about this, this weekend. So, so here's what you don't probably know, Sean, and I, I don't want you to get all like nervous and start choking up and getting caught in mouth, but I actually took breakdance lessons. So therefore, one might say I'm somewhat of a breakdancing expert. All right. Yeah. And I consider myself a freestyle. Okay. Okay. Breakdancer, which means I sweat a lot. I do a lot of movements that make no sense. But I used to try to breakdance to Prince's Purple Rain soundtrack. 
I did, dude. I would be all sweaty and red faced. And I was a I was real kind of like a pudgy kid, you know, back then. It's like real soft. And so I just it looked awful. And my <laughs> grandmother, <laughs> this is what I was just telling Jimmel in this past week. I said, my grandmother, she would get so worried. She'd be like, Wait, you're gonna hurt yourself. Oh my gosh. Because I'd be like all sweating and making all these moves that made no sense. And then but but so it was so so yes. So I think whenever we it's not just losing like, oh my gosh, a famous person died. Two things. One, we realize these people that are bigger than life, they are in fact mortal. So if they can die, yeah. then we're certainly mortal, right? It's just kind of a uh, sure. probably a healthy reminder yeah. that we're all mortal. But also it's like the nostalgia. You know, growing up, it's one of the reasons, man, why I pulled for Tom Brady for so long. He's our age. Well, he's a little younger than you and I. I think you're about the same age. And it's like, as long as Tom Brady's taking the field, it makes me feel like I can still. And I'm not just that he was such a bridge because I came up watching him play football in early adulthood all the way through. And it's like, it's kind of like with whenever Prince died, it's like, man, I used to break dance to Prince and now he's gone. I got to tell you about this concert, which was so cool. And here's why I had, I think that we got these tickets because we didn't know what else to do for New Year's. And he was in Houston. I was living in Houston at the time. And, um, we go to back then what was the summit. Yeah. Remember back on the summit was a thing. Now Lakewood church. Wow. Joel Mm. from Prince to Joel Osteen. That's weird. Um, and so we go to this concert and first of all, I had always thought of Prince as kind of this eccentric character. I'm, I'm like, is he going to be kind of weird? And this was during the time whenever he was suing Warner Brothers or whatever the case was, because they yep. wouldn't let him have his name. Yep. And so he was just a symbol. And so I'm thinking, okay, so that's kind of weird and eccentric. And you know, all I knew about it was what I'd heard in the, or read in the press or whatever. And so sure. I'm like, oh, this guy, is he going to be kind of goofy? Dude, that was the most, and again, you've been three times, so you can attest to this, the most Fan appreciating, mm. fan engaging, um, star I've ever watched, dude. And like the the star power, the star quality. Yeah, I mean, like he comes out and it just puts on a freaking killer show. Oh, oh, and he didn't stop. So here's one of the things that was so cool to me. Like he would go turn on the house lights. I want to see your faces. And so we're used to all the the. The I mean, the lighting, they work on I me. Mean, these guys make millions just handling the lighting right. for a concert. He would have them just turn on all the lights as though the show was over and it was time to go. And you could see into the entire arena. And so every, it was like this big, giant party. Then the lights would go back down. And then this was the cool thing, too. Another great encore. So it's New Year's Eve, like I said. He's rung in the new year. They're with freaking Prince. Not, not a bad New Year's. Right. He takes off. I think he had already done maybe one encore and then everybody still, a, a lot of people, not, I mean, people started to filter out, still kind of on their feet, cheering or whatever. All of a sudden he comes back and he announces into the microphone, those people that left are going to be real pissed off because we're about to party. Dude, he did not stop till two in the morning. Wow. And then I hear tell that after the concert, he went to a local bar or something and hung out with people there locally. And to your point, he proved the showman that I thought he might be. Holy crap. I mean, you take James Brown and Chuck Berry and all of them and just combine this one tiny little man. Yeah. And you get Prince, and it was magnificent. Yeah. And, you know, going back to JT, I see a lot of uh-huh. 
Prince and and JT because, Agreed. in fact, I've I've seen different interviews with uh, with Justin Timberlake and he's he's made references to you know the influences that that Prince had on him. So it's it's kind of like I'm I'm watching you know some of that as well. So you know the, these guys are just great talent and you know I uh, man if I only just had. Oh, that much. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, that's one of the things I think is kind of fun about what we're talking about today is like you know, these what, what I admire most. I still remember watching going back to Metallica, watching the um, documentary on them. And it wasn't the uh, monster. I don't remember what, what it was. It might have been a VH1 behind the music. back yeah, when They used to do that. Those were good. And they were talking about how they were so broke that the only thing they could afford was white bread and they called it a, a a white hand sandwich because it was literally just their hands and white bread that's all they had that they could eat all piled into an apartment together and the cool thing about um those guys is that they they follow their passion to a degree that they realize even if i'm broke doing what i love i've got all i need yeah and um I was, I wish I could remember. Oh, okay. If I can remember in real time here, I got a, another cool print story that I just learned. A song that he wrote and gave to someone that became their biggest hit ever uh, that I. That happened on a couple of occasions. It did. I Can't Make You Love Me, uh, yes. Bonnie Ray. Yes. And then, uh, <clears throat> gosh, what's the other one? Um, Nothing Compares to You. Nothing Compares to You, I think, uh, with, by Sinead O'Connor. O'Connor. That's the one I had no idea that he wrote. I think that's the one I'm thinking about. There might have been another one. That... I, I have a feeling it'll, dude, we'll be 30 minutes into this, and I'll, I'll probably blurt out yeah. <laughs> some but, lyrics or something, because like he was, he did that a lot. And that's what he would just get, like, this, this story. Shaka Khan, I feel for you. That's right. God, it's amazing. God, I forgot. I, I forgot. I can't he, even remember that. I. It's blowing my mind. Shaka that I remember, Khan. Shaka Khan. I forgot he gave her her start. It, it was yeah. kind of like uh, at uh, what was it? Uh, Purple Paisley Records. Is that uh, or Paisley, Paisley Park. Park? Paisley Park. Can't forget about Sheila E. Sheila E. I know she had oh, the glamorous right. life. Yes. Uh, but then she ended up being his uh, drummer for that's you know right. uh, many years. Yes. And uh, very talented. Who was also the daughter of Santana. God, dude, you're bringing up all this know, great dude. trivia. Anyways, that, uh, yeah, did we? Dude, maybe, I, I could sit here and talk about music all day long. It's, so we might have to have another show where you just come back and just like that's what like a buddy of mine over in the UK, uh, Matt Wagner and I, we do a Christmas special every year where we talk about Christmas movies the first year. There was Christmas songs this year, and so there'll be some sort of a holiday jam. So you and I'll just get together every once in a while. We'll just riff on uh, on music. But the cool thing about it, whichever one it was. He wrote the song and gave it to this artist. I wish I could remember which one. I don't. I don't think it's one of those yet. It might have been the Sinead O'Connor kind of rings a bell, but he gave it to her and said, "Here, this is a." And and the, I remember the whoever I was listening to the story. She was saying, "Who does that?" I mean, just this amazing song. And he just said, "Here, I want you to have this," and it became like her biggest hit. And I can't even remember which one it was. Man, it pissed yeah, me off. It'll come to you. All right, so. You know, where should we start this, brother? I, I want to tee this up. I don't know where I'm going to title this episode. I don't even know whatever I go in until after we have the conversation. Usually I have some, some, some idea. But your story is one of entrepreneurship, which I love talking about on the, on the, uh, the JWS. Um, the, uh, you're, you're into improving always and always, soaking the most out of this life and doing it the right way. 
But the best part of your story, Sean, that everybody loves to hear, and I always love to hear, is your comeback story. You know, there's, mm. there's some comeback in there. There's some, there's some tearing down and being built back up. And so I don't want to put any constraints on that. I want you to just start your story where you want to go as deep as you want to. And then I want to pull some pieces out of there so that this listening audience can hear that. Like if you're watching this on YouTube, you see a guy that's fit. He's done well in business. He was, I mean, look, he's got the the time to make it all the way back to East Texas, Tower, Texas to sit down with me and share a story. But Every overnight success, there's a lot of overnights that people (laughs) never knew about beforehand. So let's get into yours, brother. Dude, man, where to to begin? Um, Thanks for having me again, sincerely. I I really appreciate it. Coming back to East Texas is, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Of course, you know, the landscape has changed. And and of course, in so many areas, everything still looks the same too, you know? Yep. And uh, when I leave here today, I'm... I'm going to drive up and down some of these side streets. and uh, But, yeah, dude, I grew up actually not far from here, a little, little town called Lindell. Yeah. And, um, you know, started there in kindergarten and graduated high school and, uh, you know, moved to Tyler and, and was, you know, I, I bartended at Chili's over on the loop <laughs> over there. And, um, you know, just I think at an early age, I, I wanted to do something, you know, with my life. I, in fact, I needed to be someone, you know, in, in my mind. Um, now I, wait, cause I think we're going to, and I want to, and forgive me because I want to ask you this right now, because I have a sneaky suspicion that what you thought was being someone then might be different than now. I may be wrong, but what did that mean at that time? What did I want to be someone? What did that mean to you then? I think what it meant then, of course, you know, at 18 to, you know, 25, you know, of course, the person that you are then is not who you become. Sure. People, people change. And um, of course, you you know, uh, you mix in a few bad choices in there and things can change very quickly. But, um, you know, I think that back then, you know, I wanted to find my path. I wanted to, you know, get involved in, uh, you know, business in some capacity and, um, you know, starting a business, finding a career um, and, and, it was about money. You know, I wanted to just, I mean, at, at that age, I just, all I knew is that I wanted to get out of bartending yep. and, and, and get into a career, um, or, you know, start a business, uh, that would, you know, allow me to, uh, you know, to earn more and, and do more looking back. And, and cause I'm always, <clears throat> I'm always going back and I'm, I'm rewinding the tape on, mm-hmm. on my life and, and things that have happened in the past. And, you know, a while back I did this clarity exercise and these things always kind of annoy me where it's like, you know, why do you want to do that? And, and then you answer it and then you go, but okay, so why do you feel that way? And it's like, it's seven layers of, well, why do you, why do you want to do that? And, and so after going through this clarity exercise and really trying to boil things down, I kind of got things down to one word, which was significance. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do something significant um, and, and, you know, impact a lot of people. And, you know, I've just, I knew that I was, I was born to do more than just, you know, go to work, pay bills and die. I I wanted to impact a lot of people and and help a lot of people, but it was a very windy road to, to get to where I am now. Wow. All right. So 
talk about some of those winds, those trips, mm. those, those those twists and turns. Yeah, uh, for sure. So, dude, I'll just give you the 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 overall the nutshell version, the mm-hmm. the quick story. Um, got married at a very young age, twenty two years old. Didn't have to get married. Just thought it was you know met someone and and uh, uh, she's a great person. We we had two kids together, but I had no business getting married at that young of an age. Do any of us? Because I did this exact same thing. I married at 22, exact same thing, and uh, our frontal lobes have not even fully developed. Mm-hmm. And and now, by the way, tell me if you can relate to this. At are you? I'm. I just turned 48. You're. I'm 48. I'll be 49 in a few months. Okay. So now, when you see 22, 23 year olds, I mean, mm. I have a daughter that just turned 23, and one that will turn 22 in May. You look at them. If they were to come to me and say, "I'm getting married," I would be like, "You are out of your yeah. mind." Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I know. And so I've got, uh, so from marriage number one, mm-hmm. I, I have two sons, Matthew and Michael, awesome kids. And if those two boys came to me right now and said, Dad, I found the one, I'd be like, hell no. Like, <laughs> right. let's pump the brakes, son. Yeah. Um, and they've, you know, those guys, uh, they, they've seen Dad struggle, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, they're uh, 23 and, and Michael's about to turn 21. And, you know, they... Um, and so it's it's kind of cool that they've seen dad struggle, but then they've, you know, seen this progression. Yep. And it's, it's I was talking to my son last night, uh, Matthew, my oldest, he's a realtor. Um, and, you know, he's coming to me for marketing advice and, and just mindset and I'm encouraging him. Um, but there was a period of time where he was like, you know, um, he was wondering if dad was going to be okay or not, you yeah. know? And so got married, didn't have to. Had two kids. Um, my wife at the time, we just decided that, you know, we were better off being friends. Um, it w- there was no animosity, but, um, you know, we we uh, decided to get a divorce. It was very amicable. Um, literally a DIY kind of thing. We mm-hmm. went out for dinner the night before yeah. and uh, agreed to terms and met each other at the courthouse the next morning. And we committed to just always putting those boys first. Good for and, you. Um, and, you know, literally, um, you know, just, again, she's she's a wonderful person, nothing negative to say. But after after that divorce, um, you know, I'm trying to find my way. And, you know, I've got these two young boys. And then I, I met someone and had a very quick whirlwind relationship. Um, that, and, of course, she is the polar opposite of, you know, the, the first one that I'd married. And um, that produced that relationship produced a child, and this is where things get very interesting in in my world, um, because it was such a um, a short relationship. Um, she got pregnant, and I th- I feel like that she orchestrated that to happen. Mm. And my son Cannon, uh, born out of that relationship, but uh, when he was uh, six months old, the the writing was on the wall and things were so incredibly toxic that I took him and I left and um, kind of went into hiding a little bit. Um, that kicked off a multi-year, multi, um, a big battle. And I was able to win custody mm-hmm. of him and still have, he's getting ready to turn 14 now. And, um, you know, but that was probably one of the darkest times in my life. Here I am, a single dad. I've got these two older boys, and then I'm literally I've got this baby on my arm. Yeah. And to get out of that scenario, 
um, I, I literally just like walked away. I mean, I left with nothing because I just needed to keep them safe. And so it's, a, a you know, an, an incredibly humbling experience to be, you know, at this, at this point, I'm like in my thirties and, you know, feeling pretty defeated at this point. Yep. Um, I've already struck out twice. Um, you know, I've got three kids and like, I'm, I'm getting older. And so, um, you know, I just kind of put my head down and just said, I'm going to focus on just being the best dad I can be. Um, and, and just really focus, you know, on my career, try to make some money get a good job. I, I was working for a couple of different tech companies, uh, publicly traded, um, companies and sales and business development, you know, roles like that. Um, and then one day she walks in. <laughs> she being uh, Marissa, my my wife now, um, dude, very very stereotypical. Um, the way we met, you know, I'm I'm the the uh, the senior sales rep at this tech company. She's the hot intern that just got her <laughs> master's degree, and is literally, you know, she's in a different building and. You know, words getting around that this, you know, this hot girls, you know, just joined the company. There's this intern. And gosh, for a couple of weeks, I was like, man, how can I go talk to this girl? Like, I, yeah. I, I just need to go. I feel silly saying it now. We still laugh about it. But um, we met and just quickly, quickly hit it off. And, you know, it it's it says a lot. No, nothing about my relationship and marriage uh, with Marissa made sense to anyone. She's 13 years younger than I am. And for her to be, God, I'm, dude, I'm just glad she's in her 30s now. Um, <laughs> she, she was 23 when we met. Yeah. And I, you know, for her to, you know, uh, her career's about to take off, just got her master's, and to get involved with some dude that's got three kids, been twice divorced, it did not make sense. Yeah. And so, but, you know, I, I firmly believe when God wants something to happen, doors start opening and, and things start flying. And, and actually, you know, at, the, at that phase of my life, I was done with kids. I actually, when Cannon, my, my third son was born, I had a vasectomy. Like, dude, <laughs> I'm done, done. Right, right? right. And so, you know, Marissa and I met, we hit it off and, you know, uh, it was, it was a deal breaker. She, you know, didn't have any kids and wanted kids of her own. And so um, I made a commitment that I would reverse a vasectomy, and we ended up having two beautiful daughters, uh, Kendall and Kate. And um, so, anyways, you know, we we get married, and um, you know, during that that process, a lot of change uh, occurred. And you know, but it's I knew that um, my career was starting to take off. I was really doing a lot. I was started traveling internationally. I'm flying around all these stadiums and arenas, and I'm doing all this cool tech stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting a, a meeting request um, on my calendar for my boss, and they we were going to have a meeting. The Dallas Cowboys Stadium was getting ready to open, and we were going to bid on. The jumbotron, the yeah. the big the big daddy that yeah. hangs above yeah. the field. So we were going to take a shot at uh, selling that display to that stadium. And so they called me into the office uh, for a meeting, or it had been on my calendar for a couple of days. I thought we were all going to get together as a team to work on our proposal for the Cowboys. And I, I show up at the meeting, go into the conference room, and uh, there's just two guys there. And dude, I will never forget this. Um, I, I sit down in this conference room and I'm like, where's everybody at? And, and this guy goes, Sean, we're, 
we're not here to talk about the Cowboys. We're we're here to let you go. Oh wow. Oh and gosh, I'm like, dude. Oh shit. This yeah. is what it feels like to get fired. Like you know, <sighs> um, and this was actually thirty days before my my wedding to Marissa. <sighs> And it was one of those things that literally was such a punch in the gut, you know, um, to at, at this point, you know, doing OK, like making six figures finally and, and you know, about to get married. I mean, like things were really looking good. And to have the, the rug pulled out from underneath you like that, um, totally, totally. I've never been blindsided like that before. Yeah. And so it, it was incredibly interesting. And so. I said, man, okay, like this is really happening. And it wasn't anything that I did or didn't do. It was a decision that had come down from like corporate in Atlanta, like like just, it was a pure numbers thing, right? Huh. Um, and so, yeah, dude, it's like, we'll give you like 60 days of severance and, and but yeah, you're like, we're gonna escort you out of the building kind of thing. Oh. Here's a box, like, uh, let's go to your office now, clean out your desk kind of thing. And, I mean, I, dude, just complete and utter shock. And so, anyways, I, I remember after I finally kind of picked myself up off the ground off of that one, I said, you know what? I never want to feel that way again. Mm -hmm. I never want to, for anyone to have that kind of power over me to be able to, you know, dictate my income or, um, you know, make those kind of decisions that are, you know, would really impact my family. So, you know, obviously went out and got another job, but it, with a competitor um, and, you know, life was good. But once I got started with them, I st immediately started working on my plan B. And so we can talk about that a little bit. So again, and of course, I, you know, I left out lots of stuff in there. I mean, you know, um, just the pain from divorce and, and custody hearings and, you know, uh, but I, I think looking back as painful as a lot of that was, I'm, I'm thankful for it. You know, I'm thankful for it because now I'm in this position where I'm coaching and I'm consulting and I'm speaking on stages. I wouldn't have some of those messages, you know, and I always say that, you, you know, you take your mess and you turn it into your message. Yeah. Um, the um, I heard someone say a while back, you're, you're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you used to be. Mm. And so um, that resonated with me uh, because I think now my what really lights me up is is helping especially younger entrepreneurs um, that are kind of trying to find their way or or maybe couples that they want to do something significant yep. together um and and we can definitely un, unpack that a little bit because marissa and i we have a rhythm and we, the way we work together and the companies that we've started we make a really good team but we're we're always aligned and we're always it is a joint effort and so um yeah, dude, I get a lot of passion out of just, you know, working and, and talking to, you know, younger folks and uh, that are dealing with a lot of the same issues. So there's so much there that I can relate to uh, for a lot of reasons, because I went down very similar path as far as marrying young and 17 years of a uh, of marriage and and splitting up. And then I don't know about you. Did you think at one point you would never marry again? hundred percent. Yeah. And 
did, did you go through that phase where you just like, as we get older, you start to, when you're young, you, you think one, and, and we come from an era, from a generation, which is kind of hard to believe now that we're, we're old enough to be like, well, in our, in back exactly. in our day, but we are. Yeah. That's what you did. You, you met someone, you fell in love, you married, you had 2.5 children, you had a house, you, you know, you, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it was just this, then I don't know about you, but I got to the point where when my marriage ended with the girl's mom and same thing, we're now friends. It was, uh, and it, and we could spend a whole episode on talking yeah. about how important it is to make that first relationship work. If there's children involved in particular, uh, just for their sake, if nothing more. And, but I remember you start to look at it like logically and you go, why in the hell would anybody do this? I remember sitting by my parents' pool on a Saturday, single girls are doing all, they weren't there with me at their grandparents in Sulphur Springs at the time. They were doing something else and thinking, this is great. There's nobody at home waiting for me. I yeah. can stay here and just hang out with my dad as long as I want. Yeah. Why would I ever end this? And then probably similar to you and Marissa, mm-hmm. I, I, when all of a sudden someone who didn't know that I was divorced, I've been divorced for five years. I didn't date. I've never dated in my life. I had my high school sweetheart broke up with her to date in college. The girl's mom broke up with her, dated one person said, realized I'm never going to get married again. So this isn't fair to you. Broke that off. And then Jimlin, my wife, that's the extent wow. of my dating yeah. history. Pretty pathetic. And so, um, but I remember thinking, I will never, and, and it's so funny, someone decides, I go to, you know, renew my broker's license or take some continuing education, which I never did in person. I never did that. I always did it online. But yeah. for some reason, I decided I'm going to go up to the Association of Realtors here in Tyler and, and do it in person this year. Run into a uh, a friend, Pam Evans. Pam, if you're there, I owe you my life. If you're listening, you, I owe you my life. Um, she's, she didn't know that I've been divorced for the past five years. He said, well, there's this girl I want to introduce you to. And I was like, yeah, no, thank you, Pam. I appreciate that. But, you know, Ryland's about to go off to college. Abby follows her off to college after that. Those are the only two women in my life. I'm good being single. Never get married again. And I don't date unless I think I'm going to marry somebody. I'm doing that again. So really, I think it's going to be kind of like I'm out. I'm a perpetual bachelor. And um, and then I sat down, man. And I, I thought to myself, okay, this is easy for me to say. I think it was 42 at the time. It's like, it's real easy for me to sit here and go, yeah, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. I'll go hang out with Rylan and Abby and their husbands when they get married, yeah. the grandbabies. I'll be this cool, in shape granddad. Right. It's like, that's easy to say at 42. But then when I'm 65, 70, and they're kind of tired of grandpa always showing up in his RV and, you know, just being <laughs> obnoxious. Yeah. And if I get that desire to be with someone, options get a little more limited when you're, you know, 65, 70. Yeah, so I do. thought, okay, so to cut to the chase, I tell Pam, you know, ask Jimlin's permission to share her number. And it's very similar to yours and Marissa's. Jimlin had never been married, successful business person, had no children. She, at that time, she didn't really want to date. And then, and here I am. And I don't know, did you feel like you were kind of damaged goods at that time? hundred percent. Same. Yeah, dude, I, I'm like, and again, none of it made sense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for a little bit there, I thought, you know, of course, everyone started hating on me because they thought I, w- I was kind of a player a little bit at that time, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm single. Yep. And they thought it was just another little office, you know, yep. kind of romance kind of thing. Yep. Um, 
until we quickly learn that I, I can't be without this person, you know, I mean, and as a team, um, you know, we work way better, you know, as a team. And so it's, um, but yeah, like total damaged goods, um, like this shouldn't be happening. And, uh, you know, again, the rug's going to get pulled out at any minute. And I want to say this to the men out there, because I know a lot of women, I, I look, I can't speak from a woman's perspective because I'm not one, but I know a lot of women, bless y'all's hearts, you deal with thinking that you're not worthy or for some reason, some decisions you've made in your life. But I just to the men out there, I'll never forget when I was sitting in Lee Poe's office, my counselor for years and years. And I told him that very thing. I said, well, Lee, I said, I'm, you know, I just feel I'm damaged goods. Who's going to want this middle-aged dude that's divorced with two older children? And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop. He said, first of all, you got to remember women are smarter than men. They don't look at that as yeah. much as they're, they're different. And, and that was very hard. And so to, to whatever men might be listening to you, I, yeah. you and I right now, going through a similar situation, the first point I like to say is you're not damaged goods. You are worthy. And a woman will see you for your heart. And women are smarter by and large understanding that now some of these modern women, they're being, I think they're being fed a big lie. But those women who have their head on straight, and you can you can ride in and argue with me about this, but those women who have their head on straight realize that to be the to reach the full potential of who they can be in happiness and joy and contentment is probably going to involve another human being that is her husband and a family yep. and or even if not a family, just another partner in life to complete. I know, and that's what I want to get into next, because it sounds like the crux of your comeback which is, again, very similar to my deal, is is when you met Marissa, I know for me, it was when I met Jimlin. Had I not met Jimlin, I can tell you what my life would probably look like. I mm. would be, and it wouldn't be a bad life, okay? I would be probably living on my parents' farm in Sulphur Springs in an Airstream, you know, uh, ergo... Uh, Matthew McConaughey a van back down in the by day. The river. I, I would be a guy, a van down by the river. Uncle Uncle Jason, you know, all the kids go, oh, it's it's cool. Uncle Jason sitting out by his van or his airstream. Dude. He has some yeah. little, little lights out there. My we have a fishing pond out beside nice. my parents' pond. My dad had already, my dad loved it. He's like, wait, whoa, you come back home and yeah, we'll put you a pad out there. Well, I'll run you an electric pole. He loved the idea, yeah. and uh, I know there's no way I would be sitting across from you with a podcast going on 300 episodes and writing books and doing the things just like you with your coaching. So here's what I want as, so mine is one artifact or one anecdote of, Hey, I can tell you this Jason Wright show audience, Jason Wright is a much better man would be absolutely incomplete. Had I not met Jimlin McKee, now Jimlin Wright, who makes me want to be better wants me, it, it inspires me to improve yeah. always and always. Tell me at that time in your life, oh, and by the way, I was probably at my least financial, um, secure, yeah. you know, whatever, however you want to say, when I met Jimlin. And you know what? It was like, and that's scary because again, men, we think, even though she was successful, she didn't need me. She didn't need my financial support. She was doing just fine without me. But we as men, that that's, I still want to know that, I'm able. Sounds like you you just lost your freaking job. Yeah. How much has your wife had to do with 
the guy that's sitting across from me Dude, today? That's a that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked. Um, and I guess we'll just call this the shout out to the wives episode. Love it, brother. Uh, but dude. You know, yes, I had actually on our wedding day, I was unemployed. I, I was still looking for a job. And uh, when we got back from the honeymoon, I, I finally, you know, found a, a company to go to work for. Um, but again, we knew that we wanted more for our lives. So we wanted to do something significant. But yeah, I, I would attribute a ton of my success now. The Sean that you see now is is more of a product of, you know, what's happened over the last 12 years that she and I have been together um, because, you know, we as a couple, we made a decision to get aligned and to really tr- start working on things that were going to move the needle in our in our finances and our faith, our family and um, and really try to do something significant. I, I see a lot of couples and dude. It's really odd. It, I mean, it sounds silly, but I can go out, I can hang out with another couple and very quickly, in, like in a social situation, um, I can tell pretty quickly if they're gelling well mm-hmm. together, yeah. um, if they are, because um, I mean, we've been out with couples before, you know, dinner or whatever, and then come back and, and like, I'll go, honey, like, did you notice they didn't even like touch each other all night? Like they didn't, they weren't even holding hands or, you know, it's, a, of course I see, my, do my brain works very differently. I, I notice things that I think some people, most people probably don't notice, but that's just how my brain works. But yeah. So dude, we, Marissa and I get coming together and we said, we want to get involved in real estate. Um, we want to start a business. We want to, um, we want to give more, you know, uh, in order to give more, you got to earn more, you know? And so, um, because we want to help people, we want to make an impact, but I don't even really want to entertain what my life would look like if, if, you know, she and I weren't together, but I would probably still be out doing bad things yeah. and just, you know, not making good choices. Yeah. You know, I think it was, um, I probably have it wrong, but I think it was, uh, Napoleon Hill's how to, uh, thinking, was he, did he write thinking grow rich? He did. Or the, okay. So it was either that or the power of positive thinking by Norman, Norman Vincent, Vincent Peale is one of those Yeah. where there's a whole chapter devoted to how much better men are when they have wives. And that was something that I'm telling you, I remember talking to my, my nephews, God bless them. So, you know, shout out to Austin, Norris and Garrett. And I would never tell them, Hey boys, don't get married. Right. If you, but I was kind of like, you don't have to, you don't have to, and you don't have to, yeah. and to anybody listening, you don't have to, but I do think there are decisions, big ones that we can make in our lives to maximize the opportunity we have during this vapor that is our life. And I, I was so, uh, anti-marriage after going through what I'd been through for 17 years and the pain, the heartache, and that I was coming at it from a very cynical position. And I, it is by God's grace. And I give God all the glory for when the time was right, bringing Jimlin into my life, because now I realize that I am such a better version of myself yeah. as Jimlin's husband than I would be otherwise. Another thing that I've always wondered, man, and maybe you've got some thoughts on this. Well, let me, there's two points to, to marrying again. First of all, 
we know the statistics. Uh, numbers are against you and I, yep. this being the second go around. But if you approach it the right way, like it sounds like you and Marissa have, and I, w- I want to hear some of the actual sure. execution that you guys, yeah. with the methodologies that you guys deploy to make that work. I can't even fathom living my life without Jimlin. And it's because, you know, look, we've seen the playbook. We, we've looked at the play. We know what loses the game. We right. know the plays to run to lose. Okay. And so why in the hell would, and again, I, I maybe I've maybe consider my finger in your face out there, listener. If you're on your second marriage and you're pissing and moaning, and you're ready to go call a lawyer. You've got the playbook from the first time around. What are you doing to change what the plays that you're running now? Um, I, I just don't see how it, 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 I told, um, I told Jim Lim when we married, I said, here's the deal. One, I almost feel guilty because I've got the playbook. I know how to make this work. I know which battles matter and which ones don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I think that I've got special ops training. Yeah, I went through some stuff. Okay. And I can piss and moan and whine about it. Or I can go, you know what? I learned from that. And third, I, this is where I want to go with you to start the conversation about kind of the do over in the marriage game. For me, and I, I say this all the time, Sean. If someone came to me and said, as I, I've changed this answer, if someone came to me and said, what is the key to a successful, trusting relationship? I used to would have told you, forgive and forgive quickly and, or, or say, I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness quickly. And I do think that's still really, really good advice. But now my advice to anyone, if you want a marriage that is jealousy free, that is secure, that will last and is the it's crazy. It's almost antithetical to what I'm about to say. The most protected marriage from cheating or whatever yep. is to love with reckless abandon. Just just throw it all out there. Just I, like Jimlin, I, I, I said all the time, that tiny little dark headed woman that I adore, she's she's like really small, but she's got all of me in the palm of her hands. I mean, yeah. She does. I, I, I'm like here. And, and, and that is the protection. Tell me why this one is working for you. What are you and Marissa doing different? Dude, great question. Um, so I, I think there's a couple of things. One thing that's um, has been huge for us since the beginning, because clearly I came, I came into the marriage with a lot of terms and conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of baggage and, and these kids. And, you know, God bless her. I, I actually broke up with her a couple times, you know, but I was, I was gun shy, right? I sure. was, you know, it's like, I got these three boys and like, you know, you're so young, like none of this makes sense. And so, but you know, we, we, I'll never forget this. We, uh, we went and rented a cabin out in the woods mm-hmm. and, um, to go have a chat. Uh, I mean, a real chat. And we each came to this. It was a meeting, essentially. Um, But she came with a list. I mean, like she typed out some things that if she and I were going to work, here's what needed to change. And I actually did the same. Or at least I typed out some things that, hey, when you do this, it makes me feel this type of way. And to answer your question, I, I think that one of the things that makes us really successful, you know, in our marriage is that is our communication. We are transparent always in all ways. Perfect. It's and awesome. so we uh, and, and that includes the hard conversations. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you're talking about real talk. I mean, real struggle. Honey, I'm 
you know, I'm dealing with this or I'm dealing with that. Um, you know, I mean, we, we can talk about anything and it's, the conversation may not always, you know, it may get heated at times or whatever, but it's still a safe place. Yep. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that I feel like, dude, I see this all the time. It's, it's, um, I see couples that I feel like are oftentimes just in different lanes. Yeah. They don't know when their partner's coming home for dinner, <laughs> um, you know, or, or, you know, what time they're going to be home from work or, or whatever. But I see it all the time. It's like they're not communicating. Yeah. Um, and so it's almost as, as if they're like working against one another <laughs> instead of rowing in the same direction. Yeah. I have an, an analogy that I use a lot um, with a lot of people I coach. You know, relationships are like anchors or propellers, right? And, of course, you know, you want a propeller. You know, when two people that share common values, core values, and they, they, they get truly get aligned, dude, it's like putting a big, you know, speedboat propeller on if you start focusing in the right direction. But I, 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 one of the many things that I would just attribute our success just as a couple is just communication. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's key. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that's hard, and I think this takes a, a special woman to, you know, again, for, for the women listening out there, uh, I'm always really nervous and hesitant to give women advice, but I think I'll be okay on this one is if there's one thing you can do, it's allow your husband to be vulnerable with you, provide them that, like you said, that safe place to say, you know what? I'm scared. I'm freaked out right now. And I'm, and I'm afraid you will think less of me for this. I'm afraid to keep going. I mean, and and the thing is, and here's why you and I can relate so well together. We're two freaking nearly 50 year old men with podcasts and doing all this stuff that you're not supposed to do. That doesn't make sense that, you know, we're dreamers, we're creators. Now, now we've created, you know, businesses and we have things that allow for that, but it takes a special woman to go, Oh yeah, my husband and his podcast. Right. Right. <laughs> no, hundred percent. Because I dude, I, I know, you know, and again, I, I know I, I compare I'm not comparing, but I know couples where yeah. the, I could hear yeah. the wife saying that about her husband. Oh, he's doing another one of those things <laughs> right. again, right? Right. Um he's starting a podcast or he's just shooting a video and just kind of rolling her eyes, you know. Yeah. Um and not really giving it, you know, the respect that he or the attention that, you know, he feels that it needs. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I think that um, getting aligned and, and just, you know, having really good communication, it, it, it that's that's a big first step. You know, one of the things, too, that um, has really been a game changer for me, too, that Jim Lynn does for me, and I, I would like to know how... It, you know, open up the opportunity for you to praise your wife some more because I think that's always a, a, a fantastic use of uh, these airwaves. Is Jimlin uh, you know, for me? I never, ever, ever, ever doubt her love for me. She shows me, and she tells me constantly, "I love you. I love you so much." You know, she's just constantly, "I love you." And we, I mean, there's a lot of "I love yous" flying through the right household. Yeah, and. Um, I, that's something, man, that I, to your point, I don't see a lot of couples and maybe they do it when I'm not around. Yeah. I don't know. But I think that just that basic constant reinforcement of what should be obvious that, Hey, I do love you. I think that's pretty important, right? Yeah, no, it is. Um, I, I think that it's, especially 
you know, like us, we've got young kids at yep. home. I mean, we've got, you know, a 14-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 3-year-old. I mean, when I leave here, you've got a busy household, dude, brother. Yeah. Mine are off at college, dude. We're I like, know. I'm envious. It's, all, it's like, kind you, of awesome. We're like the empty nest thing going it's on, so right? So great. And so it, it's like, you know, to be to be in my 40s and kind of start over and, yeah. and and have kids, and this time have little girls. Yeah, dude, these girls are kicking my ass right now. I mean, like they are so emotional and just if I even look at them the wrong way, it's like. You hurt my feelings, you know, and and so I'm still learning to navigate that. Yeah. Um, but you know, you add in the businesses and the companies that we've started, um, things move very quickly in our world. Yeah. And so we have to. Um, sometimes I have to, you know, yeah, we we say I love you, you know, that that sort of thing. But sometimes we have to carve out a little bit of. Sometimes I will literally put a, a 15 minute time block on our, our shared calendar for FaceTime. And, I love that. um, you know, that's another little pro tip for, you know, startup couples, you know, share, a, share an iCloud calendar on your phone. I have, I have six calendars on my phone. One of them is the family calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if it's on the calendar, it becomes real. Yep, it's a placeholder. Right. And so, um, but that's how we, we stay very organized and, and, uh, but you know, sometimes I will schedule FaceTime with her. Um, and because I either need feedback on a decision or input, but sometimes it's just like, dude, we've been like, go, I mean, it's like Friday and like, we've, I feel like I've barely have seen you all week cause you're doing this and I'm doing that. Let's, um, you know, let's chat, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and of course you got to prioritize date nights and quality time and all of that. Um, but you know, it, it's there, she does she does so much for me and 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 our family just to you know keep the wheels turning at home um but you know she's always fantastic about just you know um the acts of service you know the going back to love languages if you yeah. ever read Chapman's oh, of book, course yeah everyone should read the book and at least get the vibe for that absolutely um to understand what they are um hers is quality time yep and Sometimes that could mean just sitting in bed with her watching Real Housewives, which I really don't care for, but just being next to her and watching that show that, that, you know, she appreciates that. Right. Uh, Because it is, I would my, I mean, would my preference be to be in my office, you know, on my computer or, you know, recording a show or whatever, doing something else, reading. But so you got to be mindful of that. But, um, yeah, man, it's, I'm always looking for ways to, um, to get my wife alone these days, you yeah. know, uh, like date nights are huge, um, little trips here and there. Um, now that the kids are finally getting older to where I trust someone to like stay overnight with them. So, you know, we've been able to get a couple of trips in just the two of us, which is incredibly important as well. So one of the things that you guys have that's uh, similar to Jimlin and I, now granted this, the, the business stuff I do, I kind of do in a silo. I do uh, with Jimlin's encouragement. You know, she pushes me to do things uh, that I might be either too lazy or uninterested. Like some of my, like right now we're talking about starting a, another real estate business. And, um, I, and I, I say this in a great way that if it weren't for her, I'd probably just be like, eh, it's boring. I've been there, done that. Yeah. But she pushed me and her business, which is our retail store that is 
she built. It is hers. I always give her all the credit. I just take out the trash and everyone around here knows me as her intern. Yeah. You know? And that's um, so, but we do operate on the same page with these. She's encourager to me and my things. I do some, what it, I do as much as she allows for me to do with Hot Tots, our retail business, but essentially it's, it's her baby and everything. But so it works well. We do discuss what are our plans for the new businesses. I know that's a struggle for a lot of couples. I know my my mom and dad went through that, you know, both being self-employed. It's it's hard. I think a lot of people don't realize the difficulty of a couple both being in business together. How do you guys navigate that part of your relationship? So, great question. You know, when we first started, um, you know, getting into real estate investing and, and you know, buying real estate and, you know, single family, multifamily, stuff like that, we... Um, we didn't have kids. And, um, you know, we started looking at deals. And then even after my daughter Kendall was born, gosh, I remember her being just a few weeks old. And we would be, you know, at the drop of a hat, we'd get a hot tip on a home in South Houston, you know, that's getting ready to hit the market or it's, you know, going through an auction or going to be flipped or whatever. And like, we were driving around with our infant daughter, you know, yep. looking at, at real estate deals. Um as as our company started to grow, um, you know, we we quickly had to learn kind of our our roles and 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 where our you know define our skills and kind of lay out almost almost like an org chart of you know who's going to do what in in this company. Um, one of the companies that we've started about six years ago, uh, it's a senior living company. Um, so we've bought we've purchased real estate and have created these senior living homes, um, assisted living, Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. um, and incredibly proud. We've got a team of about 25, 30 employees on staff. And um, I'm out of all the companies that we own, that one is like, that's my baby sure. uh, because it, it creates so much impact and it serves so many people, but it's high stress, you know? And so we, we kind of map out, you know, what the core things are going to be. Obviously, I'm CEO of that company, and I'm I'm very much involved in the day to day, um, you know. And I, none of the staff, uh, they don't go to Marissa for anything. Most of them don't even know who she is. Uh, of course, now we're we're finally getting to a, a point where we're finally starting to achieve scale, and so I'm not always there. Um, you know, I'm working on the business, but I'm not in the business, right. you know? And so, but we just kind of have to, um, you know, can you handle this or this bill's coming due? So, you know, she is very, very good with numbers, um, and the finances and I trust her, um, completely with money, which has been a great thing because I can't imagine doing the things that I do now while also trying to balance a checkbook sure, or, or, uh, you know, look at a spreadsheet or whatever. So she's usually the one coming to me saying, dude, you need to cool down a little bit. Like <laughs> you, you spent way too much on Facebook ads last week or, you know, whatever it is, but I do me. And then she reels, she reels me in uh, yeah. because she's, I know that she's got my back because she's looking at, at the numbers, um, you know, on a, on a weekly basis or monthly basis. And, closing out the books and all that stuff. But we just kind of define our roles. Now, when we decided that we were, you know, one of the kids of our own, um, and, and we just hit kind of a cool little, had a milestone uh, about six months ago where she, uh, she quit her job. And, you know, she, she had been in pharmaceutical sales for about eight years. 
did in, incredibly well, and it was a little scary, right? I mean, yeah. um, um, for for her to leave, and and you know, we are literally on our own. You know, our, we're not relying on anyone else now. You know, yep. it's um, our incomes come from you know um, our investments and our the companies that she and I have built together. Yeah. So we're not relying on anyone else, but it's, that was kind of a milestone for us. You know, it's like, I finally got my wife out of corporate America. Yeah. I got myself out first and then she came and, um, you know, it's scary, but you're taking a leap of faith. You know, God places things, uh, in front of you and your path for a reason. And if you're, you know, spending money appropriately and doing things the right way, um, big things can happen. So I'm excited for her to just be in this mom role and to, um, you know, kind of embrace that. Um, I thought she would slow down a little bit yeah. <laughs> after, you know, um, she's definitely not at the house eating bonbons when I, <laughs> when I come in, you know, unannounced. Right. Um, she's like busier than she was. I mean, when she had a job. So anyways, but yeah, dude, it's a good times. Well, brother, and I honor her for that. I mean, my, I was talking to, um, uh, well, I mentioned to him, mentioned you, mentioned him to you before we got on, James Quandall, my buddy and I, and we were talking about how so many, and, and I've had this conversation with my youngest daughter in particular about how there's almost this shame that for some reason comes over women in 2023 if they decide they want to be a part of the family business, um, quote unquote, stay at home as though that's something less than being an attorney, being a successful, you know, sales rep, you know, pharmaceutical sales rep, but no, I mean, what could be more important? And the thing is that the thing that I wish that, um, every single woman on planet earth would realize is that your womanhood is your superpower, Yeah, right? Your, your ability to be better at the things that come from being a mom and being, first of all, to be able to give birth, that's a superpower ordained by God. Yeah. And even if you don't believe in God, you got to admit that you obviously play a very special role in the procreation process because you're the one that I think God chose. Yeah. But if it makes you feel better that the universe chose to carry that child. And so just I honor your wife for realizing that the importance of that. And again, not so that she could just chill and kick her feet up and right. crush bonbons and yeah, watch, yeah, yeah. you know, and, 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 and binge watch, you know, the real housewives, exactly. but no, so that she could dive in. And there's another thing you said too, that, so I had this conversation with my, uh, my youngest and her boyfriend in New York a couple weekends ago, whenever we had this kind of serious conversation, you know what I mean? There, he just graduated, moved to New York, took a job in finance. She's about to graduate this spring and she wants to go to New York. And so, I'm old school. I said, okay, so both of you are going to be in this really expensive city. And I know you probably think you're going to move in together. And, um, and I just have to tell you that I think that's a bad idea. The statistics show that you're more likely to get a divorce if you do that. Um, but, you know, just kind of tell me your plan. And one of the things that uh, Lachlan, uh, my youngest daughter's boyfriend, said was, well, I want to make sure that we're financially secure. I want to be able to, I want Abby to be able to do whatever she wants. Abby wants to be a writer and Abby wants to, Abby wants to work. I mean, my daughters both have been raised to not to go out and score a, a good husband that'll right. take quote unquote, take care of you. That's not how my daughters were raised. They were raised to be badasses on their own, but to have the option should they and their husband agree that, Hey, I want to stay home and take care of the home front. You go out and do that, and bring home the, 
you know, the cash, whatever the case may be, however you want to look at that. And he's, he was talking about how it's really important. I, I get this to be financially secure, kind of have all your ducks in a row. And I told them, and I'm sure that even though you and Marissa, both successful by most accounts, everybody would go, what are you kidding me? Of course she's going to stay home. But I told him, there's never going to be enough money. Right. There's never going to be a perfect time. James Quandall mentioned earlier, his wife did the exact same thing. She was in senior living. She was, she would have been great to work for you. She was an operations manager. Yeah. She ran a, uh, a senior living facility, was great at it. But they decided to have her come in and join his business and, or their business, but now her join it full time. And same thing, you know, all of a sudden, okay, now we're, we're walking the tightrope without that net of corporate security and everything. And, it's been a great adventure for them. I have not, I've talked to James, you know, multiple times since then, and they're adding business because you're, there's sometimes you have to be pushed into that corner to come out fighting and realize what you're really made of. hundred percent. And I am infamously known for, um, I, I kind of take a, well, and I heard this a while back, you know, entrepreneurs, they sometimes will jump out of the airplane and start building the chute on the way down. <laughs> yeah, and, right. um, but when I do that, I, I, you know, looking back over the businesses and the, you know, our growth and everything, I've always taken a ready fire aim sure. kind of approach to things because yeah. a lot of times it's, it's very easy to get stuck in, you know, analysis paralysis, yep. you know, you, you get stuck, you overthink. Yep. And, um, you know, and so sometimes you just got to act and, you know, imperfect action is, is better than no action at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to make mistakes, um, but, you know, you get out there and, and you figure it out and, you know, but I have backed myself into more corners, but that's, that's how I grow. Yeah. That's how I grow. Yeah. I think that's the thing that most people realize that waiting for the perfect moment, you don't grow in the valley. I mean, you don't grow at the mountaintop. You grow in the valley. 100%. So you cannot get to the mountaintop without walking through the valley. And that's where the good stuff grows, man. That's where it's green and plush. That's why the cities were built in yeah. the valleys. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, okay. So let's bring it kind of more to where we are now. Now you're, cause I think that this is another thing that we share in common. It's one of the reasons why I reached out to you, man. So, I mentioned earlier, I had the privilege of getting to be on James Daltrich's podcast this past week. And one of the first things I wanted to talk to him about, because I was on this deal where he's mentoring me about some things I'm working on, right? Yeah. That was the premise of the show. And I had listened to him talk to, I think it was Cal Fussman uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was either him or Stephen Kotler, one of his interviews with him. And he made mention of the fact, James Daltrich said, he had a problem with Wishing he could just be a bird watcher, but he can't. He has to be, if he goes to watch birds, then he has to all of a sudden make a profession out of it or or something like He just, he wished he could just watch the birds. And I totally got that because, and I mentioned on, whenever I was talking to him, I said, James, I so related to that because I'm like that. Sometimes I wish I could be a bird watcher, but I'm not. Instead, I can't just listen to good podcasts. I got to go start a podcast. Right. I can't just read good books. I got to go write a book. I can't just listen to Stephen Kotler talk about anti-aging in his new book, Nar Country. No, I'm ready to grab that book when it finally releases. And I'm going to learn. I want to go teach it in my courses. Sounds like you've got a little bit of that in you now and you're, of yourself that you are now to a point where you've mentioned it several times throughout this conversation. You're coaching. You're teaching. What first of all, I want to know what are you up to, where this audience can benefit from from the goods that you're offering, but also where does that come? Why is it? And maybe I'm asking you for some coaching, 
why is it guys like us can't just be content to you doing real estate deals, make some money. What, what is it? And what are you doing now and Dude. why? Okay. So again, great questions. I'll try to unpack that a little bit. <laughs> you know, I, dude, I, I kind of put people into two different categories. You know, you're, you're driven or you're drifting, mm. you know, and I would consider us to be very driven. Um, I'm, I'm hungry. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm constantly, I'm, you know, podcasts, books. I mean, I'm just, but, you know, cause I want to get better. Yep. Going back to significance, you know, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for ways to improve, but, um, yeah, dude, let me, let me take you back to a quick story that, that Marissa and I, uh, an experience that we had that I, I think was kind of the turning point for me. Um, three years ago, my, my youngest daughter, Kate, she's three years old. And, um, when she was only four months old, we found out that, uh, Kate had a deformity in her skull. Part of her skull had fused together prematurely and one of the sutures and, um, we didn't find out about it, obviously, until she was here and her look started to change. Uh, one eyebrow started getting higher than the other. And, um, we, you know, quickly took her in to, you know, this, you know, rock star surgeon in, in uh, Houston. And the procedure that we did to correct it would, had never been done before. Kate ended up being the first child in Texas to ever have this done, maybe even the country. There's uh, sometimes you just don't want to be the pioneer, right? Correct. Yeah. And, but, it, but it was interesting there. because, you know, the alternatives, we had two options. Um, so the, you know. The uh, condition is called craniosynostosis, a, a word that I haven't heard since seventh grade biology class. I've never heard it, dude. Yeah, dude. It's just when a skull f fuses together prematurely. Okay. You ever been out in public and you look over and you see a, a lady pushing a baby or something and the kid's wearing a helmet? Sure, sure, okay. sure. You're like, oh, that's it, there must have like been an accident. Or, you know, I never really think about it. Well, so that was one of, that was one of the options was the surgeon said, hey, I will— um, I'll get my saw and I'll, I'll cut her from ear to ear and I'll get my saw and I'll clean up everything in her head. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll take her forehead off. I'll use plates and screws, put it all back together. And then she'll wear a helmet for about a year. Jeez. I'm like, well, that's sounds intense. And he said, that's the way it's always been done over 30 years in medicine. And then he paused and then he goes, if you're open-minded, I have another option that I just kind of want to float to you guys if you want to hear it. Um, you know, looking at these numbers and this math and the science, I think that Kate would have a better outcome if you did this in two surgeries. I will, I'll cut her from ear to ear. I'll take my saw. I'll clean everything up, but I'll leave her forehead on. But I am going to put a, a device on her skull with a metal rod sticking out of it. And we're going to leave that rod sticking out of her head for 90 days. And I'm going to send you guys home with a special screwdriver. And I want you to turn the rod in your daughter's head and push her forehead forward slowly over time. Jeez. And that's the part, Jason, where I said, honey, we're going to need a second opinion because this guy has lost his damn mind. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously, it, it was it was wild. But... We went home, we prayed about it, um, and it made sense, you know, um, let's, let's just, let's, I, you know, started diving into it. So we, we chose option two and it had never been done before. And, um, you know, Kate, obviously it turned out great. 
Um, but, you know, shortly after she had the surgery and got the whole thing removed, uh, you know, Houston Chronicle uh, was coming knocking. I mean, interviews, news stations. We went on TV with Kate. Of course, the doctor was with us. He got a ton of press out of the deal, rightfully so. Um, and now people are flying all over the country to come see this guy, uh, Dr. Wynn. Um, and um, he's a rock star craniofacial surgeon. Wow. Now, here's what's interesting. You know, we do this, we do the procedure and, um, you know, we were supposed to be in the hospital for about seven, eight days. Um, we made it out in two, uh, because I have, um, severe ADD at times <laughs> and I can't sit still. And that's like, I have never been in a children's hospital before. And, you know, just sitting in this little room, watching Cade hooked up to all this stuff, you know, I would just walk the halls. And it was a very interesting experience because I'd put my earbuds in and I just started just walking around and I just decided that, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to get us out of here. And I'm going to do that by just changing my state, by, by literally just using the power of gratitude. Mm -hmm. So at that point I said, I made a decision. I'm going to just start just smiling. I'm going to just start every person I come in contact with. I'm smiling. Um, I'm just saying, thank you. All the nurses and, um, but we're going to get out of here. Let's get Kate back at home where she can heal. Let's get her in her bed. And so we did. Um, but that's when the fun began because it's like, you know, I have to sneak up behind her and put this device on this tool and turn this rod and twice a day for 30 days. And she's screaming and, uh. and it was very intense, but Having gone through that, again, it was, that was probably the worst thing, you know, she and I have ever faced as a, as a couple. One of the, a very dark time. You never want to hear that something's wrong with your kid. Right. It's like, I got five kids, God. You know, why does my, my youngest have to have a, a deformity, you yeah, know? sure. But coming out of that, um, you know, it, it makes, you, makes you stronger. Um, I don't think that, um, you know, having been through all the things that I've been through, personal development is kind of what, you know, helped me get through all these dark times. And I had to really dive into personal development to just become a normal functioning adult, you know? And so having, having gone through the experience with our daughter and the surgery and all that stuff, it, it really, um, it brought us together, but you know, kids are resilient and, um, Anyways, I know I took the long way around. I may have even, you know, didn't fully answer your question, but I wanted you to hear that because of course. a lot of couples, they, they melt, they crumble when adversity comes onto the scene, Yeah, you know, and we use that as an opportunity to come together. Um, and, and now I'm speaking on stages, I'm, I'm telling Kate's story, um, and we have been able to help other families. Um, we've had people reach out to us in other cities and states that, you know, have something similar going on. And, and it's real easy to just, when you're going through it, to say, why is this happening? But the question you want to ask is, you know, what am I supposed to learn from this? And, and, and God, how can I use this to your glory? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, dude, that was a wild story. That's powerful. It's very powerful. And I tell you, the thing that's very cool about it, especially since I asked a right there in sync with the coaching, everything. So a lot of people, like they ask, like you just, like the last thing you mentioned there is, is Logotherapy 101, you know, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. It's, you know, 
it, and a lot of times people kind of want to dismiss, you know, needing coaching or they'll, they'll, they'll look at Tony Robbins and they'll go, Oh, he's a motivational speaker or Zig Ziglar, motivational speakers. You just gave a case in point example as to, okay, yeah, you can do that. You can treat going to a seminar or taking a course uh, from Tony Robbins, Dean DeGraciosi, or, you know, fill in the blank, any of these guys, you can use it like a shower. It's just kind of a wash of motivation and let it fade. Or you can actually start to tap into the neuroscience, Mm -hmm. the physiology, and the absolute change that these things that have been proven by science can make you to get through your daughter going through the most excruciating experience of yours, your wife's and your daughter's lives. If you choose to do that. And I think it's really cool for you because talking about the coaching you're doing now, what a great, I don't, I, I see why you use that as a testimony because you can go, Hey, the things I'm trying to get you to take hold of gratitude, a practice of gratitude, understanding that, no, it's not about why me it's about, what is in this for me Correct. that and, and by the way, here's how I exercise that. I put it in place during a deep valley of my life. And now I want you to experience it too. Yeah. And, and dude, you hit on something there because a lot of people, they, they feel a certain type of way about personal development, sure. you know, um, Tony, the Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi, but you know, I credit those guys for, a lot of my, my growth. And, you know, I, um, dude, it it was something that I needed. Um, you know, I've not only with Kate, but I mean, different things that I've, you know, the divorces we talked about addictions, mindset, problems, confidence, imposter syndrome, huge imposter syndrome. (laughs) And so, but you know, a lot of people, they think it's just this raw, raw kind of thing, but there's science behind it, but also, you know, What's the alternative? Exactly. What's going to happen if you don't? Exactly. Okay, so you're, you're just going to go watch Netflix or something and just fill your, your brain, your mind with something else. Yep. You know, if I'm going to, you know, I might as well use this time to learn a new skill or to get thick skin or to learn how to navigate certain things. So when, you know, other things happen down the line, I know how to, I know how to respond. I know how to act. Um, and so... You know, God puts me in front of people sometimes that, uh, you know, they're struggling in some area, um, you know, whether it's, you know, with their finances or they're trying to get a business off the ground. One skill that I feel like that I have that's kind of interesting is I I, I like to reframe people's problems. Mm. Um, I, I have a way of feeding things back to you to, you know, maybe just look at things from a different angle. And from a different perspective. And a lot of times it's real easy to get stuck, especially if you're, you know, trying to, you know, navigate a big mountain to climb. It, it, you can really only see past what you see. And, um, you know, so I get a lot of enjoyment out of just helping people try to find those solutions to, you know, whatever the problem is, whether it's, you know, personally or professionally, and just kind of helping them navigate that. Um, and so, you know, I haven't officially launched, you know, my, my coaching stuff yet, or my mastermind. I am writing a book right now. It's called serve hard. And we can talk about that. Um, I, I, I feel like that a lot of people in society, men, especially, um, they are, um, they're moving without purpose. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they are, uh, they're not being intentional. They're sleepwalking. They're sleepwalking. Yep. And, you know, they're going to work, they're punching the clock, they're coming home, they're just stuck. 
and they're not really trying to move the needle and being intentional. So serve hard is, is, a, is a movement that starts with the mindset of, you know, you're going to, I mean, because we all serve someone. We, you know, if you're religious, you serve your God, you serve your kids, your spouse, if you maybe you got a boss. Um, but it goes beyond that. If you're going to be there, you might as well show up and just give it 100%. Yep. Um, and so that's kind of, I've taken this saying that I've said for years to my kids, you know, son, I, I know you don't like baseball right now, but we just signed up for the team and you're going to stay here and serve hard. Yeah. Um, same, same with my daughters. And so, and I say that with my staff, we have a new client coming in, you know, we're going to serve this family hard. Like we're going to go all in. And, um, and so it's a service mindset of putting other people first, but it's, it's about being very intentional, mm. um, in, in all areas. I think it, I think it's gold. And, you know, it's a lot of what, why I do what I do is when you, when you start to realize the power that we have over our minds, our bodies, the lever, when you start to start pulling some of those levers, where for some reason, at some point, something sticks, you know, either be it Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar or, you know, Jim Rohn, somebody, somehow they land a punch and you go, all right, I'll, I'll give that a try. Yeah. And it works. I know for me, and it sounds like for you, it, this isn't about, it is what people, you know, I frankly, thank God, you know, the best part about being over 40, especially being over 45 is you just really don't care what people think. Right. They may think that, oh, you're just trying to you know, grow up, you're trying to get likes on Instagram mm. or you're, you're wanting to somehow be famous. No, what, what happens, what happened for me. So I've described it like this. I think you'll, I think you'll relate, Sean. Now it's not comparable, but there is a, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about salvation being like this guy that finds treasure on a piece of land and he goes and he sells everything he owns so that he can go buy that piece of land where the treasure is hidden. That's what salvation is like. Okay. A very distant um, comparison to that. So for my for my fellow believers out there, I'm not saying that what I'm about to tell you is as good as salvation, but nevertheless, it has moved me in that sort of way in that when I started realizing the value of a, of a healthy mind, of mindfulness, mm-hmm. of keeping my body in good physical condition, the joy that comes from always practicing gratitude, well, to me, it was like, I want to go all in, but not only that, I want to share it with everybody. I can't, I can't, yeah. I'm not just going to, why would I ever just keep this to myself? Dude, it's so interesting you bring this up because a couple of things, you know, my circle of friends changes a little bit pretty often. And mm-hmm. I think that's common when you get a couple that's driven sure, um, and you start to level up. Um, it's not for everybody. Nope. Right. Nope. And oftentimes, um, and again, it's not anything that we're doing intentionally. It's just, it's a natural you yep. know, process. Yep. And of course, you know, as we start to mature in our relationship and our, you know, our finances change, but our mindset is changing. You want to start spending your time around people that are tracking kind of at the same level with you, ambition-wise, marriage-wise, et cetera. And so, you know, a lot of people that we used to hang out with, it's, you know, they're not, they're they're still drifting. And it's one of those things. But it it, it is kind of interesting. And I've... I I totally agree. I, I'm kind of at the place where I just don't care what anyone else is, you know, thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, my message, you know, the stuff that I do post on social, um, you know, it's all, 
it's all motivation and, mm-hmm. and, or actually not, not even motivation. I, I like the word inspiration much better. I, I can yep. inspire you. I cannot really motivate anyone. That's right. And so I'm always looking to inspire, but I'm not doing it to hear the sound of my own voice. I'm not doing it to throw out memes or try to get likes. That's who I am. Yep. And, but I'm doing it because I actually like, that's, that's a part of me. Because I went through so much, I was in the valley for so long, which a lot of people don't know that. They they see Sean now and it's like, oh, you know, he's driving a Maserati and he thinks he's leveling up and, you know, he's being fancy. They don't understand, they don't know the background, yep. you know, and, yep. and so it's, um, it's just, it's interesting, you, you, you know, but I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a misconception that a lot of people have about like whenever they hear people say, I don't care what you think about me. I think, oh, yeah. so you've got a license to be a dick. Right. Or like when Gary Vaynerchuk preaches, the first thing you have to do is not give a damn what people think. And here it is. All Gary Vaynerchuk is preaching is a very rudimentary layperson's uh, method of Carl Jung. I mean, the, the, the famous yeah. know, psychologist that was essentially saying you're at your most powerful when you're authentically you and you just stop caring what other people think. And it's not a matter of like, for me, it's not a matter of like, you know, do I, I, like, I will fully admit, I want you to like me. I want everyone I ever come in contact to like me. That's human nature. The difference is I, if you don't, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to change what I'm doing to get you to like me. My actions I've lined them up with my life's purpose and my mission primarily to make sure that I'm trying my best while I've always fall short, that it's in line with how my maker made me. He designed me. So I want to follow that blueprint and what Jimlin, Abby and Ryland, what they think. And if I'm doing that and that doesn't mesh with you, if you don't like to get in and and by the way, here's what pisses me off the most. I'll be honest with you. Bring it. So I made this, um, and it hasn't really happened to any real significant degree, but like, for example, I, I no longer drink alcohol at mm-hmm. any time. Okay. Could care less if anybody else does. I mean, I used to, one of my favorite pastimes used to be going to Sulphur Springs, Texas, sitting by that pool and crushing Lone Star beer with my dad and drinking scotch. I freaking loved it. And I have no problem with anybody that does. But what really, and, to, and you kind of touched on this, what will happen when you decide to start live a life, I mean, of, of, purpose, when you start to serve hard Mm -hmm. yourself and those around you in a way that's meaningful, people will take your actions as judgment on themselves. Oh yeah. If you're doing that, well, what do you think? If you won't do that, then what do you think of me? And then they'll, they'll alienate themselves from you. And what I want is to give them a big old bear hug and go, no, 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 no. Just let me be me. Right. And you do whatever you want. There's no, don't let my actions judge, you know, be, uh, come across as judgment on you. Yeah. That's pretty frustrating. No, dude, it is. And I've literally, even in the last year, I've experienced that. Um, you know, it, about 12 months ago, actually, no, I'm sorry, two years ago, I, I really, really made the decision that I was going to let go of all the things in my life that weren't serving me. Mm-hmm. Alcohol was played a big part of that. And um, I started, you know, I've got these young daughters now, yep. and I need to really show up for them. And so... Um, you know, it's better late than never, but I, you know, I hate that I waited till my mid forties to start lifting weights and working out and mm-hmm. getting fit and all that. But, um, I was fat. I, dude, I was incredibly overweight. 
And so I just started taking things seriously. I mean, like really getting things dialed in, like went and got a dietitian and like, I, I want to know the right food to eat at what time of day. And, and now I've had to become like, I have food prep and do all that stuff. But again, people around you that are, are not changing, they look at you differently. Yep. And I, I'm not casting judgment on them. Yeah. I, I am literally trying to just do me. Yeah. And, and, you know, so we have this thing, Marissa and I, and, and some of the folks that I've, I work with or consult with, every day that I wake up, I'm trying to become the most elite version of myself. That's it. What more could you ask for? That's it. I, I'm going to serve hard and with every interaction, every person that I come in contact with, and I just want to be, and I, and, dude, and I'm freaking not perfect. I make mistakes and I do things and, and, you know, but every new day when the sun comes up, it's a, it's a fresh, it's a reboot. It's a reboot. And I get to start over and I serve hard and I just want to make choices that are good for my body and my mind and try to you know, surround myself with like-minded people that are driven and they're not just drifting. So yeah. there you go. Well, and I want to say something to counter what I suggested about how some people get like this kind of like defensive nature. There are also those other people that are humble, that might be struggling, that when they see guys like you and I, and we're not even, it might not be because we posted some great, you know, little inspirational right. video or something, but it's just like, you're just, you're just happy. You're just doing your thing. You're doing, you, you, you drove to Tyler and you're, you're on Jason's podcast and it looks like you're having fun. You're looking, and they'll go, I, they'll, whenever people like that, people that are struggling, reach out to me and go, I just want you to know that you, you, you do inspire me. I want everyone within the sound of my voice to realize that there is, that there's no greater humility than whenever people say you, the way you're living your life makes me want to live my life better, man. And, and that's the deal. Like I, like if you, like the story behind improve always and always is, is a selfish one. I believe if I'm the best version of myself that I'm better able to serve my community and those around me. And that, that the fruit of that will spill over and hopefully people want to be the best versions of themselves. And here's where the selfish part comes in. I think you today showing up as the best version of yourself makes you happier to, to interact. And we can have these, we can share these stories. We can sit here and we can talk about things that aren't about how horrible the world is, how bad politics are and how pissed off we are that we got these yeah. big guts or we're, we're suffering from hypertension. And you can even take a, what could have been a tragic, it had to have been a, a walking through hell moment with your daughter. Mm -hmm. But to, like you said earlier, but reframe it into something that you and your entire family can build upon. That's that's what this is all about. And, you know, we've only got one go at it. And to you, 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 you said it earlier. You said it really well. And you said, like, what's the what's the option to just well, not to just just sit? And I know. Dude, and, yeah. And exactly. And so um, even go, going back to social media, I made a, the decision a couple of years ago. That uh, like on Facebook, for example, um, you know, I post pretty frequently, but when I do, I, I never post about my kids and, mm -hmm. and, and it's not because they're celebrities or anything weird like that. Yeah. It's because I, I know what the deal is. Most people don't care that my my son got him a a single tonight yeah. or a home run. Yeah. Or you know if I'm scrolling uh, social media and I see that you know Johnny over here got an A on his report card, it's you know social media is so quick anyway. So if I'm gonna be on social media, 
why not put out inspirational content? Yeah. I think that content going out, at least for me, and my wife will still tag me and stuff, and it shows up on my Facebook page or whatever, because um, she's a proud mama, and I get it, and I love that. But, you know, if I'm – in my my view on social media is that it's it should be used to educate, to entertain, or inspire. I love that. I love that. Educate, entertain, inspire. I think that's – I think that's a – Perfect. And so if you follow me on social, you know, I, 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 I put a lot, I put more content on my stories than I do, you know, that I, I do on my reels, but, um, day to day things, but yeah, I mean, honestly, dude, like, does anyone out there in social media world care that my three-year-old had a really good first day at pre-K <laughs> today? Probably not. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so if I'm going to put something out there, I'm going to put, I'm going to put out something good. You don't have to look far. I mean, you could open up Facebook right now and someone's spewing hate. Yep. Someone is spewing an opinion on on the economy right. or the, you know, uh, politicians or whatever. And I just I'm not going to subscribe to that. Yeah. So anyways, that's that's kind of my that's just in my DNA now at this point. Well, there's one place that I want to go real quick to kind of land this plane. This has been a fun conversation. Yeah, I, you're going to be a regular on the Jason Wright show. Bring I hope. It. Um, so we're both bumping up against 50 pretty quick. You know, I just turned 48. You're about to turn 49. I think that guys our age need to realize one, you're as young as you want to be. You've got a lot of tread left on the tires and wherever you are is not where you have to stay. No matter how bad that is, and you're talking, you're listening to two guys that have gone through some stuff. Yeah, don't pat ourselves on the back for coming out of it, but just realizing, whoa, you, it's almost like you wake up and you go, wait a minute, I'm still here. And to your point, yeah, I can either figure out how to do this better tomorrow yeah. and today than I did yesterday. And so I really, I have a heart to encourage that midlife guy that may think like we thought when we were, you know, out there being thrown back out, damaged goods, too deep into this career, yeah. no life left for me. Because I thought that at one time, dude, I, I, I sat I sat in my office before I started my podcast four and a half years ago, before I met Jim Lim, thinking, you freaking loser. Now on paper, people thought, why would you ever think that? Right. And, um, but in my mind, I was like, you are worthless. You have your family's falling apart. You're not doing anything fun, significant. You're just, wow, yeah. what a loser. I mean, in the just in a pit. And so, and there's some, and there's some guys out there, and I think it really hits men at our age or around our age. It's kind of the cliche midlife crisis. But then you got guys like Rich Roll. Who, who runs his first ultra endurance marathon at 42 and writes a bestseller and now has the Rich Roll pro podcast yeah. crushing it. You have guys like Joe Rogan, who's been successful forever, but Joe's over 50 and he's just getting started. He just keeps climbing. I mean, there's example, David Goggins, you have example after example of these people that are going chronologically, I might be this age, but there's a lot of life to live. And there has never been a time. And this is one of the things too, man, that I would love to convey to this audience that, and I'm, look, we're human. We look around and we see what's going on in this world. And it's real easy to get cynical and kind of like, you know, have some fear, you know, pop up. But at the end of the day, 
I firmly believe there has never been a better time to be a human being than 2023. Dude, we have so much incredibly cool, innovative, good stuff at our disposal. It's a good time to be alive. It truly it is. is. Yeah, no, definitely a good time to be alive. Going back to your listeners that could maybe, especially in the men that feel like they're in a rut, it all starts, in my mind, just with a little bit of desire. Mm. Just, a, just, just a little bit of spark to want something more for yourself, right? Um, it's those that... Um, that get stuck and they just don't, they're not self-aware, which I dude, I could spend another hour with you talking just about self-awareness, but, um, it starts with a spark of yeah. just a, a desire to want something more for yourself. And then again, going back to what I said earlier, taking, even if it's imperfect action, just doing something every day to get better. And it could just be like reading a book, you know, uh, or just scaling back and, you know, you don't have a lot of guys, and I'm guilty of this at times, too. They think that they've got to just, in order to make a change, I just got to really go all in, you know. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to eat Mexican food tonight, but tomorrow I'm going to just become a vegetarian or something. Um, and they're very extreme about it. And, of course, we know that those types of, you know, roller coasters, that it never lasts. It's not yep. sustainable. Yep. But it starts with just one foot in front of the other and, um, you know, start feeding, changing some of your habits. Um, you know, the quality of your habits determines the quality of your life. Amen. And so you got to just kind of take a a 10,000 foot, you know, step, you know, back and kind of look at your, your habits and say, okay, you know, maybe I need to be a little bit more self-aware, not, you know, cut out alcohol, cut out some of this food. Um, maybe, you know, if you've had a desire to learn real estate, Start listening to some podcasts, read some books. I mean, dude, 2023, information everywhere. everywhere. It's not an edu- it's literally not a, a, a information product uh, right. problem anymore. Back in the day, our parents, it was like, oh, I don't even know where I'd go to learn that sort of thing. Yeah. Now it's like my 13-year-old knows more about investing in crypto than like I do, and he <laughs> learned that from TikTok. Right. It's right. wild to me. I know. And so it's not an information problem. It's not a how-to problem. It's a um, it's it's just an ambition and and really an initiative, you yeah. know. But it starts with the spark, and it starts with just wanting something better for yourself. Love it, dude. All right, so Sean, where can people find you? Learn more about you. Whenever you get the book done, I want you back on here. Or before then, I don't care. But how do people find you and stay in touch with you, man? Yeah, uh, SeanMedlin.com, S-H-A-W-N, M-E-D-L-I-N.com or on all the socials. The Sean Medlin on uh, Instagram. That's primarily where I spend most of my time. And uh, yeah, Sean at SeanMedlin.com for email address. Awesome, brother. Well, thanks for being here. I'm going to do a quick sign off here. Hey, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, appreciate it. Please Click or subscribe to The Jason Wright Show. Be grateful. And also, thank you to the Tyler Innovation Pipeline for hosting Sean and I today. It was so much fun. And if you are, again, in a Tyler, East Texas area, and you want a great makerspace, if you've got a great business idea that you just don't know how to get started, if you want to be a content creator, check out tylerinnovators.com to learn more about it. And with that, I'm Jason. He's Sean. And don't ever stop improving always and always. We are out. 
Well, that does it for this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Texas Titan Media production. Fourth Wall did the music. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please consider going out to jasonwrightnow.com and signing up for the Vitruvian Letter. Also, please go out to iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds to just leave us a five-star rating. It does wonders for the podcast. I would be so grateful. And with that, until we meet again, go crush it and endeavor to improve always in all ways. I'm out. Thank you.